interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better, Stronger, Together. Miyamoto Musashi, regarded as the sword saint, the kensei, the folklorish hero, historical figure, samurai in feudal Japan. Story from his life. He was visiting a lord, one of the various daimyos of the land, at his invitation. He was sitting in a room. The lord took him and, and said, okay, come with me to this other room. They got slightly separated and... Hold on one second. So a daemon is... Daimyo. A daimyo. So that's the boss. Think of him as like a lord or a baron or a... And the samurais work for, for yes. them. Yes. Okay. So the samurais do, and then the ronins are the samurai who do not have, currently have a lord. And at that point, Musashi was a ronin. Anyways, they got briefly separated going through his castle, and he motioned to him from across a courtyard. He's like, yeah, I'm over here. Come this way. And the courtyard was dark, and Musashi sensed something he couldn't put his finger on it but he sensed something and he realized hold on wait 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 am i gonna get scared is someone gonna get chopped in half quiet you someone's gonna get chopped. quiet you well just it's just a story take it easy is someone gonna get chopped in this is at the point where he is much more enlightened so anyways he, he felt something wasn't right he realized there was an alternate path around this courtyard he put his sandals back on. He took his sandals off. He had to put them back on, went completely around the courtyard, and met up with this lord again. And this lord looked at him, and he was like, oh, you went that way, did you? And continued on into a room where he told him, a Zen priest, and he told him that he'd actually rigged just a tiny little test for him. And as it turned out, standing in this courtyard was one of the greatest swordsmen in Japan. And that was not Musashi, and was not, somebody else? And not Musashi. One, I said one of, not the greatest, because Musashi was considered the greatest. But anyways, he was going to draw his sword if Musashi walked through this opening. So Musashi could have been chopped in half. It is very possible. Now, later, of course, Akira Kurosawa took this as a cue for the Seven Samurai. Basically, this is a moment in time where... He used his intuition. He couldn't see. He couldn't feel. He couldn't necessarily understand what was going on, but he sensed trouble. He actually sensed, as he described it, peerless swordsmanship. And repeat that word. Is it peerless or peer? Peerless, without like, peer. Without because, peer. Because, of course, he's going to be very deferential because this, this really good swordsman was a lord as well. And he avoided him. And then what's even more interesting in my mind, although we are here to talk about intuition today, what's even more interesting to me is that this Lord said, basically, I realize you wanted to have a bout with me, like a physical like sword fight with me. And I consider that's already happened. So he actually even accepted a loss in addition because he agreed to go in on this little stunt with this Lord. So he sensed that he sensed it. So that Lord sensed that Musashi was sensing it. Is that well, what happened? No, 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 no. He, when Musashi avoided the fight, Musashi showed himself at a, at a higher level of swordsmanship oh. because the true goal of martial arts, according to Mr. Miyagi, is to avoid the fight. <laughs> I mean, according to you, Mr. You, we, Miyagi. We study but... martial arts so we don't have to fight. You say Mr. Miyagi, but isn't that what we learned also from... Oh, Sensei? Yes, and Sensei Chicken Legs. <laughs> sensei Chicken Legs was my, is, if you guys don't know, it, it's my my secret description of our teacher in Aikido. I, I would call him in secret when I would get mad at him, Sensei Chicken Legs, to just make myself feel better when I was mad at him. But okay, so intuition. Intuition, and and really having that much of an understanding of when to follow it and and understanding that it's coming through for sure. And and how do we build our vocabulary? How do we strengthen that muscle? I mean, is it a muscle? You know, it's it's one of those things, you know, they say it takes 10,000 hours to quote unquote master something like golf or tennis. What does it take to really harness your intuition? Well, that is our subject for today, intuition. And 
we are about to introduce you. Not yet, because I have the etymology of intuition. Not yet. Not yet. Hold on, there's more. We have a beautiful person we want to introduce you to. A new friend, especially for younger people out there. Ages, I don't know, from what age? Very, very young to teens. This show is for you. It's for everyone, actually. So intuition, etymology. One of the things I looked at was the late Middle English. In that sense, intuition is denoting spiritual insight, which is what we're familiar with. And so this is what they said, denoting spiritual insight or immediate spiritual communication, which is what Musashi was going with. And then from the Latin, if you spell it I-N-T-U-E-R-I, it means to consider, to look at, to watch over, to care for, to protect, is what intuition means, which is all the things Musashi was doing. Exactly. In, in this particular instance, absolutely. So intuition is an inward directed gaze that has connotations of guidance and protection. So here we go with some definitions. The power or faculty of attaining to direct knowledge or cognition without evident rational thought and interference. Quick and ready insight. The ability to acquire knowledge without resources to conscious reasoning. That is intuition. And that is how we met our friend that we are going to introduce you to right now. This is her work. Her name is beautiful. And it's interesting. Her first name is Maya. We want you to introduce you to Maya Holland. She works with teens. She works with younger people. This is an episode for you. This is so important what we're going to talk about, especially what is happening more so now around the world. You know, when we started the friendship movement, we knew, you and I, Matt, knew that the part of our society that's really hit hard is not the elderly. It is the younger people, the children. They are feeling the most anxiety. They are feeling the most ungrounded, so lonely. They have so many issues, more than ever before, probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, they have fewer, I think, uh, skills. Uh, they have a smaller vocabulary to deal with the, the rapid change that we've seen. And that's easily understood because look at the adults, because the adults don't even know. They forgot the art of friendship. They don't even realize how to carry on a, a, a true friendship. We've all become so immersed in the hustle of working and taking care of things and having our energy scattered in all different directions for survival. And we always talk about how there is no capacity when you're in survival mode to have true relationships, to have true connections, because you're always running. Right. You're always running from the tiger or trying to put out a fire. Either the house is on fire or you're being attacked in some way. And so you it's a struggle. Yes. Everyone, I would like you to meet Maya Holland. You can find her on Tools for Teens. You can go to her website, mayasimone.com. Everyone, please meet our friend, Maya Holland. Yay. Hello and welcome. Welcome, Maya. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited. So as you mentioned, Fawn, my name is Maya Holland, and I'm the founder of Tools for Teens, which is a meditation-based healing service that provides teenagers with ways to navigate personal and social matters through the use of energy medicine. So you can visit my website, mayasimone.com, to sign up for privates, group classes, and read my blog about going to university in London. We are so excited because El and Allegra are actually going to be studying with you. And they are so excited. They met you. They love you. Oh, thank you. They, it was so great to meet them. I think it's going to be great to have them. They are that. beyond excited. We use our intuition constantly from day one. That is how we operate in our home. But being around certain people kind of dimmed that light in them, unfortunately. And that's what happens when we go through life, right? There's some things happen or you meet certain people that are not the greatest. Right. And if you're not fully immersed in your own sense of 
self and your own powers, if you're not grounded, thank you, it can really knock you off. And unfortunately, that's what happened with Ellen Allegra. So when they were like, yes, we want to study with Maya, I almost fell over. I was so relieved because our last show, you'll notice they're like not very hopeful. We remember, Matt, we asked them how they feel about the future. They're like, not so good. Right. Well, I just to touch on what you just mentioned, I think that teenagers especially get so sucked in to life itself and other people's energies and figuring out who they are as they're growing up that they lose sight of not only what their intuition is, but also how to trust it and how to listen to it. And so that's one of the main goals of my privates and group classes is to help kids become more grounded, become more present in their bodies and really learn to listen to what your own gut is telling you, even when the outside world might be telling you something completely different. I love what you've created with Tools for Teens. You have created a community for peers to come together. Thank you. Peers that are going through things. It is truly a family, a community. And I feel, as a mother, I feel so blessed that we met you. And I feel grateful for the work that you're doing. And I want to hear all about it. I want to hear about how you started, why you started. Tell me everything, Maya. Start from the beginning. How did this whole journey start for you? So... I really grew up in a very holistic environment. Um, My mom really valued, you know, natural medicine over Western medicine. She's a yoga teacher. So we always kind of incorporated a lot of those ideals or she incorporated those ideals into our upbringing. And so I went to a Waldorf school for preschool And for those that don't know what it is, it's really based around developing kids' intellectual and artistic skills with an integrated and holistic manner. So, you know, one of my favorite activities was bread making. That was like a typical activity that we would do. How old were you? Well, um, about four, I think. See, I love that. I feel like in our society... They teach us not to touch fire or anything sharp or anything like that, that adults use. I think that's a hindrance. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is so based around how can you develop your own skills in a real world environment. So I have really good memories of Waldorf school. And then I went to a Montessori school for preschool, which I really loved. And that had similar goals that Waldorf did, just really developing kids' artistic and practical skills on their own. So there was this huge room with all these different activities laid out and every day kids would come in pretty much just to play. There was an outdoor garden where you could plant veggies and water plants in the greenhouse. And then, of course, my favorite station was the food station. Um, You could cut bananas. You could make and butter toast. That's why you're my sister. (laughs) (laughs) The whole premise around this school was really just giving kids the freedom to do things for themselves and help them cultivate independence. You see, when when I was going through school... I had no idea this other world existed because I don't know about you, Matt, but like I had no knowledge of this other way of going to school. And I learned about it way after high school. Right. The friends that I met in college, you know, you, you ask, you know, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? And I'm like, (laughs) what? We all went to, you know, the, the group I was talking to Mm -hmm. in, in my memory right now, we were all from LA. I'm like, I never heard of that school. What 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 madness is this? What are you talking about? Are you making it up? And they're like, no, 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 Fawn. We would wake up and do whatever we wanted in school. Wow. And whatever we wanted was like studying major hardcore math. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then and then like Maya, Maya exactly like how Maya said. Or we would like go off and paint or 
in this one case this one kid she was like yeah if we wanted to go naked in the garden that's what we would do i'm like what mind you these are like very little kids like back then right Mm -hmm. but like to be free i'm like i was so mad maya when i found this out mad because i should have been in that environment preschool was great i mean not gonna lie i loved it what a wonderful way because it took me years to undo the damage that was caused to me going to a regular school. Right. Like the amount of things I had to ward off. It was like going into battle every day. Either I was in battle with teachers well, or yes, other but students. Let's talk preschool and kindergarten for a second. Okay. Let's, let's not get into quote unquote. Real I am. Hello. Have you not been listening to I know, me? I know. I know. Do you not know some of the stories of Babe, me? Okay. I all right, know, I'm but there's saying. a lot of angst here and I, I have points to make too. You know? oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's such a subtlety, I think, to it. You know, when you describe making bread, that's such a left brain, right brain thing to do. Because if you get the formula wrong, that bread ain't going to rise. And yet there's an aesthetic quality to it as well, which is what is bread actually going to taste like? Just because you got your bread to rise doesn't mean it's going to be good. In the same way, there is an art and a science to it all, to even watering plants in a garden, you know? Yes, you have to make sure they're wet, but too wet not wet enough how often how not often did you plant it in the right season did you not plant it in you know there's so much just um left brain right brain yin yang whatever you want to call it logical emotional to it all to make you quote unquote holistic as you put it right and i think when i went to kindergarten that's kind of when I realized that there are sort of two categories of, I guess, preschool kindergarten, because here I was at this school where I could really be independent. But then once I went to kindergarten, I lost a lot of that independence. Um, I remember one day we were doing this activity where we were making self portraits out of, you know, gluing paper and cutting yarn and things. And uh, I went over to the yarn to cut some for my hair. And my teacher said, oh, Maya, I'll do that. And I was really confused because I thought, okay, well, I'm completely capable of cutting my own yarn and gluing my own paper down. And nothing against my kindergarten teachers. I loved them. But it was just interesting, even at five, six years old, noticing the difference in how you're treated. Right. In both of those different schools, which. So this kindergarten was not what you were experiencing. It was like a regular kindergarten. Quote unquote regular kindergarten. I see. So they they didn't want you to use sharp objects. Like I was saying, like no scissors. It is possible. There also could be a number of different subtexts, you know, because I loved Mrs. Swanson, my kindergarten teacher, because I loved all my teachers then because I was just that way. But, uh, yeah, it may be that uh, she didn't want you to grab the yarn because you had long hair and everyone else had already like stolen so much, you know, taken too much yarn for theirs. Who knows? But right. But you the fact know. that she didn't trust you to, you know, to get your own yarn does speak volumes. No, it was about, I think, cutting the yarn. It could be. Yeah. It, it could and be. I, who knows? Right. There's really no way to tell. But I think just looking back, obviously, in the moment, I wasn't thinking about it all that much but looking back now it's interesting how the different ideals kind of play out in different types of schooling it's all these cuts it's a thousand trillion cuts that eventually reshape you and make you doubt yourself make you not use your intuition anymore well absolutely and there are points in time sadly gratefully that you know, your intuition feels wrong. Yeah, I remember making the shift. Did you say thankfully? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just did. Why in um, the world would it be ever, would your intuition ever be not so good? <laughs> wrong. Well, everything in my head when I made the transition, because we're talking about school, from elementary school where they loved you to junior high school where it felt like you were a burden and it was, I mean, that, that felt like a great wrong thing. I mean, all junior high school like my I remember my first day of junior high school it was cold it was going from class to class every periodically on a bell there was figuring out how to deal with the cafeteria there was you know even finding your friends the people you went to elementary school with because you were all scattered in different classes it felt 
very wrong. And for me, I had all kinds of racial hatred thrown at me, even in elementary school. I've told you stories, and it started in kindergarten. And so, you know, we all have different experiences. Yes. We all have so many cuts and pains that we go through. And so thank God Maya is here, because how do you deal with that? This is why our society is so messed up. So let's let's fix this. So Maya is fixing it. Maya is bringing light. Maya is helping. Maya has created a community here for young people to feel safe and to feel at home. So we're talking about intuition, but it's really the art of the start. How does intuition start? How do we all start as human beings? What happens along the way? We all all experience pain, but the art of the start of intuition. Let's go back. So here you are. You're being told not to cut. Mm-hmm. and you're seeing the difference in that. Please, please tell us more. Well, so it's interesting that you say art of the start because it is completely related to that. I mean, I think children are naturally born very intuitive. And as we get older, we lose sight of that because people start telling us how we should think and how we should do things. And I'm very grateful to my parents because they really allowed me to develop my own confidence really young. And I think that has carried over a lot into who I am now because I was given permission as a very young girl to explore my own personality. Um, Like I remember my mom would always tell me, oh, let's go on a play date with this person. And I would say, no, I don't really want to go. I don't really like them. And she'd say, oh, no, well, you know, I'm friends with the mom. You're you're the same age as the daughter. It'll be so fun. And I would just say, no, I don't want to go. And eventually she realized that, you know, even at five years old, I knew exactly what I wanted. So she started letting me choose who I wanted to hang out with. And same went with what clothes I wore. My parents let me choose my own outfits, no matter how horrendous they were. I mean, pink jeans, polka dot skirt, striped t-shirt, all with like a dress over. Like absolutely horrible. I love that. Anarchy. I like it. No, I love it. I think that's why we had so many problems, right? Because all these things Maya just mentioned is things that we did and we got in trouble for. Your hair was too long, Matt. You know, you overheard. Don't get me started on the hair. You overheard your mom's friend saying, how can you let him look like that? And she didn't even stick up for you. Like right. it was like a thousand cuts. Well, but, but okay, fine. But now I'm going to, I'm going to play, I'm going to play the other, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Cause that's, that's where I live. So you were going out on play dates with people, but what do you do as a parent? You know, what do you do as the, the elder in the situation? If your child just doesn't want to hang out with anybody. You know, because there is a give and take. It's like, yes, you can use the stove, but that burner's on high and it's, you know, hanging out all by itself and you're about to put a knife down on it. You know, what, how do you balance? I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think there's a good happy medium. I mean, my mom would encourage me and, you know, kind of play devil's advocate. And then I would go for it. Oh, okay, try it. No, didn't really like it. And then eventually, after she pushed a couple of times, it was like, okay, clearly she knows that she doesn't want to do this. So I think it's about trying and seeing how it works. And then if you're still not getting through, just trust that your child knows what they want. Yeah. And and today's show is really about the young people. You know, forget about the parents. It's about going to that place of, Trusting your own instincts, you know, if you, for, even though on paper it looks good for you to be with this person, if you don't feel like it, don't do it. That's one area where we, we say it's okay as far as like relationships. If If you don't feel it, you don't feel it. And that's what it is. And sometimes it'll be a good stretch of time before you find your community. And so what, you should just be with people to have them occupy space? That space should really be for yourself. Am I wrong? 
No, I think you're right. I mean, gosh, it's so hard because as humans, naturally, we just want deep connections. But if you're forcing that connection, in my opinion, that's a lot worse than just allowing that connection to naturally be there. And that is why we're in the state that we're in. You know, you try to force it and you don't have, therefore, you don't have the capacity to even know yourself. You don't know your own voice. If you're constantly being pushed or you're pushing yourself right. to be in situations, to be with certain people, because this is what you should be doing. Right. And, and or being led, for sure. So you're not even practicing the art of intuition because you're not hearing it. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not giving yourself the opportunity. You're right on point. I think that's why for me as a kid, I like now being 19, I really appreciate my parents giving me the freedom to use my own voice and develop this ability to trust myself because you learn to kind of ingrain that in your head. And if you're constantly going against it, eventually it's just going to become this little voice that has no power in your head. But if you give it its power, then slowly you learn, oh my gosh, my intuition is right. So it's just about learning to trust it and developing those patterns. Maya, do you think that, okay, okay, let me go back um, before I ask the question. We were talking about genius the other day, and we were talking about how it was not until the Renaissance did people start saying, ooh, this person is a genius. This person, ooh, I'm a genius. Ooh, you're a genius. Ooh, your your work is amazing. You are your work. Whereas before the Renaissance period, it was thought of as you working with genius. That when you get an idea, when a creative thought comes, when genius strikes you or genius comes to you, it is it is a force that is collaborating with you. And at the same time, this genius is whispering to you, it's actually whispering to others around the planet. If you don't have a way to house this genius, that this genius will eventually work with somebody else. So whenever you have an idea, someone else has the same idea on the other side of the planet. And if you don't give it proper attention, if you don't give it the means for it to live, it will find another source. Do you think that could happen with intuition? Do you think it could just disappear or is it something that that's there forever could that intuition ever be beaten to a pulp where it doesn't come out ever again no because intuition is always there it's just a matter of when you start developing it and how much attention you give to it so that's one of the reasons that tools for teens is so important is because children, like I said earlier, are naturally intuitive. And the earlier you start developing that skill, the stronger it gets. So if you wait till you're 50, 60 years old, you're still going to have that innate intuitive ability, but it just might take a little bit longer, not only to develop it, but also clear out all the energies from the past couple of years that have been prohibiting your intuition to shine through. Again, uh, I, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. I think we always, there, there are always those moments where you know what the right thing and the wrong thing is to do just on an intuitive level, on a moral level, on a spiritual level, on a whatever level, you know, you know, and I, I don't think that ever really goes away, but that voice can get awfully quiet. Yeah, and it's not always about right or wrong. It's about I choose to walk down this path or I choose this color or I choose to express myself like this right now or I choose this word right now, a word. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just about like black and white, right or wrong. I I have an easier time with black and white being a computer guy. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So and I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people are in the exact same situation that you are. And even me, sometimes I'm so organized. I love to have, okay, this is right. This is wrong. But that's where intuition has helped me grow a lot. And studying energy medicine is because you learn that there's this massive gray area and you don't always have to have 
the answer. And I think a lot of people think that intuition is about knowing the right answer on your math test, knowing that, you know, this is, if it's answer B, then this is what it is. But it's so much more abstract than that. It totally is. I go by feelings mm-hmm. rather than analytics. Right. 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 And, and honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why Elle just like beats my butt playing uh, Crazy Eights. She plays on a different level. I'm, I'm pretty raw analytic, figuring, figuring the percentages and the whatevers. And she plays what looks best to her at the moment. And yeah. I, I have to turn off my brain. Like when we start, when I start losing and I tell myself, okay, I don't want to create a violent scene here. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is no bloodshed. Just, I just want to turn everything off. I don't care anymore. And that's when I start winning because it's not that I don't care anymore. I realize it's because I let all of that go and I say, okay, I'm not going to keep track of a score. I'm not going to keep track of whatever it is physically. I'm just going to give it up and I end up using feelings only. And I can feel what you have in your deck. I can feel what moves you're going to make ahead of time. I can feel like instinctively which domino to pick. And this all sounds very loosey-goosey, but I think you're... It's legit real. Like, it's hardcore real. I think you're letting go and and starting to feed your sixth sense. But we're taught not to do that. And and absolutely, we are taught not to do that. You have to explain why you do that, even in business. Because it's it's not mathematically valid. You know, the Greeks gave us a whole heck of a lot of things. Uh, but what they also gave us is classifying everything. Which is and if, so And wrong. if you can't measure something, then you throw it out. Yeah, because, and what's so interesting now is that we're measuring energy, thank God. So we have these amazing scientists. And it was only until those scientists exactly. started measuring the unmeasurable because this is this is where we advance. And think to. of them, they're like totally outcasts in in their field. You know, like I think of Candace Pert, Dr. Candace Pert. Like, the molecules of emotion like having scientists measure your auric field your magnetic field and then realizing oh my god you know they say oh it's this this amount wide but then these other scientists are now saying you know what it's not really that wide either because the machines can only go to this distance to measure it it's probably infinite you know or it's you know right but they're actually measuring this And I think that by and large has a lot to do with the fact that as we get more and more into classifying things, we're finding that there are things we can't measure. There are things we can't measure using these techniques that we've had for thousands of years. Because it's not even there. And so so we're getting into and we're really starting to think through uh, alternative ways and, and what alternative people have put forward. Measuring empty space is what I was trying to say. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how can you measure empty space? You know, like I know. And it, it's things an, that it's we an don't absence, see. yes. Yeah, like unseen forces. Right. Which takes me to, my, takes me to uh, I, I think, my question. I think it's time for me to ask my question now. So Musashi kind of had these nine rules, and they start with don't think dishonestly and the way is in training. Now, he has nine of these. Boom. And I find it very interesting that certainly two of them can effortlessly be described as intuition and things you can't touch, two of the nine. And those are translated, develop intuitive judgment and understanding for everything. Wow. And perceive those things which cannot be seen. Now, Maya, why do you suppose he has that differentiation and what do you perceive out of let's just focus on those two of nine folks so the develop intuitive judgment and understanding for everything that one is particularly interesting to me because when we're born we have such a strong sense of intuition and as we get older we develop our emotions and start to use those to navigate the world and then as adults we rely a lot on logic to make decisions. And I think this is where a lot of people stop because they believe they've you know, mastered the art of thinking. But in reality, it's just the opposite. 
because even though emotions and logic play such a vital role in our lives, and I'm not saying that people should go back to an infant mindset, but I think that as a society, we need to learn to come back to how to make decisions with more intuitive guidance and less emotional judgment. Uh, because the moment that we stop trusting ourselves and listening to our intuition, that's the moment that our lives become more difficult than they need to be. Now you say less emotional. Yeah. And one of the kind of maxims that I hold on to is people tend to make decisions based upon what's worked for them in the past. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? It's a positive feedback loop. And right. then you run into something like a blockbuster video, which for those of us who are probably teens, it was a video rental store. We actually walked in and you actually rented a videotape or a DVD. You brought it home and then you had to bring it back to them before streaming. And you had to rewind it. And yeah, you had to rewind right. the tapes. But anyway, And if you bring it back on a certain date, you get charged and yes. all that. And yes, yes, you were there were fees associated and you belonged and you if you didn't bring it back, et cetera, et cetera. You had to walk into the store, pick up these clunky rectangular things. That other people had been like manhandling, sneezing on and whatever. But anyways, Gross. let's not dwell on that aspect. Sorry. The aspect to dwell on is the fact that Blockbuster never saw streaming coming. But they did. They had someone working at Blockbuster that said, you guys, let's do it so we don't have these clunky things. Let's stream it. They're like, no, you're crazy. You're and, never and going to do that. What's interesting is um, emotion. I think, I think on some level, emotionally, logically, great business model was going to scale forever. And then they're gone. There's like one left in Alaska or something and where they had like hundreds or thousands of shops. So the trick is, is at some point, all of their kind of emotional reasoning and all of their logical reasoning broke and fundamentally broke because streaming was to be the future and God knows what the new future is going to be. You know, that's, that's the other fun part is the rules can shift at any moment. So would you say that they didn't follow their any semblance of intuition they had completely like shuttered that away in the darkest recesses of their mind or well, that's an interesting question and can I, I add to that before you answer maya and and is that is that the reason why throughout especially in western culture the young people have to rebel against their parents because the parents are the blockbusters the parents are the ones saying this is the way it works. We're going to, you know, it's so analytical. They've forgotten how to live. So therefore, the younger generation has to say, well, this, I have to, I have to go away from this because this is not the right way. You have forgotten. You know what I mean? I think it can go a little bit of both ways because obviously there's no way or there was no way to predict that digital streaming would become the wave of the future. But I think in that sense, it's all about adapting. I mean, just as business models are constantly growing, as people, we are constantly growing, constantly evolving. And it's not a matter of predicting that, oh my gosh, two years from now, COVID is gonna happen and this is what life is gonna be like. Or three years from now, you know, digital streaming, is gonna be the only way to run movies. I think it's about adapting and being prepared and evolving. And being open to that, being flexible. I, I would say, but it's also, I, I think, as, as the novice here is not the professional, but intuitively you had to have known that something was gonna shift at some point right. in every industry and right. in every thought and every, everything, honestly, folks, if you take nothing else away, take that away. Mm -hmm. Everything will change. Uh, and all the rules will get rewritten at some point. Can I just say, like, that's exactly what we were taught in martial arts. And that's the beauty of youth, of like having the youth mindset of the young people is because they are flexible. They are able to go with the change. They're able to ride okay. the waves. Yes, yes, they are flexible. And then we almost define that flexibility later as resilience. Ugh. <laughs> No, listen, it's it's what we were taught in martial arts, right? Bruce Lee, perfect example. Like, you have to be bamboo. You have to bend with the wind. How do you say it, Matt? You were the one who, like, totally, like, taught this way to me. Bend. 
if you don't bend, if you don't sway, right. you if, break. If yes, even even the mighty willow tree, if that if the wind comes too heavy, it breaks. Yes, but absolutely. the bamboo doesn't. But the bamboo bends all the way to the ground. It, it will go with the flow. And yep. there you go. There, this is such a rich conversation, which is why everyone listening out there, we're going to do a series with Maya. And I know we're about 45 minutes in already, and we haven't even gotten to the main subject yet. So this There's is gonna, so much to cover. There is so much to cover. So, I, you know, perfect that this episode is called The Art of the Start. We're going to start this conversation, and this is intended for youth this is intended for the youth generation the ambassadors that have come onto the planet and these are the future entrepreneurs politicians call it's, it call it's it everything not even you the will. future the future is now like i always tell our kids don't say uh, when i grow up i'm going to you're doing it right now you're yeah. ambassadors of love this generation that is here there is no like i say you know like with santa monica in that bubble that we were in there was no ism right it's not a think about it there is no sexism no racism no ageism you are you are valued as the ambassador that you are the spirit that's come into this world and you're valued it doesn't matter if it's if you're only you've only been here nine months. You are all knowing. You are this amazing being, all wise, and we're listening to you. And we have this home for you, this protected environment for you, which is what Maya's created. Tools for teens. And when it comes to decisions your intuition is definitely something that is valid and it's it's an excellent thing to apply as speaking as a logical guy it's an excellent thing to apply to any problem in addition to logically speaking and emotionally speaking one of the things i'm struggling just a little bit with is okay. that people um, people can point at moments of intuition in their lives that you know yeah. i could have gone left i could have gone right i chose to go right and everything great happened because of that and that's fine to talk about but it's, it's an inherently personal experience. And it's like everybody knows maybe there are points in time to trust their intuition and not trust their intuition, but actually building muscle behind it, actually like really looking at that as a real solid tool, I think is the problem people have. And that's why I dragged Blockbuster into it because mm -hmm. they fudded up and they shouldn't have, but they did because they didn't listen to any semblance of intuition. And, and that's more of a universal case that people can point at and go, yeah, they screwed up. They should have used something other than logic and this kind of emotional validation that they had gotten that they were on the right path. They should have seen that there was another path. And that's why I tried to drag that in. And I did drag that in so that people can see. I, I, I just worry that our audience will be like, okay, fine, intuition, yes. But why do a right. series on it? Versus, you know, really building skills and tools to teach you how to trust your intuition, how to really throw that out there and really listen to what you get back. And also, I, That's all. Maya and I were talking that we want to make sure that we emphasize that there is now this stigma of meditation and mindfulness and how cheesy it's become in a way. And I really want to really get into Maya's work and she's modernized it. I mean, that's one reason... Uh, Ellen Allegra were so turned off by the yoga world. Yoga used to be a thing for us. We, we used to meditate. We used to do this intuitive practice on a daily basis until we got to the yoga school and met these jerks with their woo-woo, like, uh, entitled mm -hmm. ways, with their racist ways that was hidden right. but not hidden to us. Right. And then the gaslighting that we got, and it turned into this cheesy thing where they're like ugh, i don't even want to go around yoga anymore you know like even seeing yoga pants they're like ugh, you know like <laughs> so it's wonderful that maya has turned that around right i get and you know there's that safe space and so anyway we're gonna get into that and like i said this is going to be a series for maya how can we say it this is a series for young people yeah, young people is good. I, I want to say young people and people young at heart. 
because I really but try. But this is, this one is specifically of, one of the, for teens. I understand. But one you know? of the important tenets of like Zen is uh, Zen mind, beginner's mind. It's really being open to things that experience maybe shows us that, you know, aren't something we need to look at. Yeah. And like I said, a ninth, a nine month old is wiser than an 85 year old or a 45 year old. I have absolutely learned some really valuable things from other developers who are like fresh from school just because they come at it from a fresh perspective. Absolutely. But let's go back. Let's go back to Maya's journey. It will explain all these things. Her journey to how she founded Tools for Teens, her journey in life that led her through all these perhaps, dare I say, obstacles maybe in life, and how she created everything for herself and now for others, a place to hold for others. I want to get back to that. I think we left off in third grade of who your friends are and the friend groups. Third grade was when I really remember realizing how sensitive I was because I've always been a social butterfly. I've loved hanging out with people and I've always kind of taken the leadership role in my friend groups, but I also really love being alone and I recharge by spending time with myself. So when I was in elementary school and entered middle school, like I didn't really understand how kids could be at school all day with hundreds of other kids, go home, hang out with kids and then do it all again. I just got so depleted and I always thought, oh, maybe I'm just really, really introverted. But then I realized that I was just so sensitive to all the other energies around me that my body would just get so overloaded at school that going home was my time to recharge. And I really needed that in order to be my best self in the other aspects of my life. So once middle school came to an end, that was when I really realized that it was okay to be sensitive. And when I really started developing more of my personality and something kind of switched where I never wanted to be alone. So I kind of took on this role of like, I just wanted to be friends with everybody. And that had always kind of been there, but it really started shining through in middle school. And, you know, I loved introducing certain people in one friend group to another friend group and kind of being the bridge between certain friends. And that was when I really started becoming more and more of this social butterfly. Yeah, it can certainly be hard. I I certainly encountered something similar in, uh, it felt like junior high school, just because it felt like in elementary school, you really had that sense of quote unquote community of like 30 people Mm -hmm. in a class. And then when I got to junior high school, all of a sudden it was like everybody was kind of thrown together. Like I knew literally between all of my classes, I knew like a hundred people, you know, between PE was always a mix. And then I had two periods a day where it was both seventh graders and eighth graders together because that's how junior high school worked when, where I grew up. So I knew an incredible amount of people and you can feel people's like, you feel the, you feel people's anger, you feel people's confusion, you feel people's laughter, you feel, and it's so much noise. It's exhausting. And, And if you think about that, going through that every day, if you have no way to protect yourself, I mean, it's like walking around with an open wound that's just collecting all these dust particles, which of course the wound's going to get infected. Right. So the body is so similar. It needs protection in order to avoid infection. Right. And I always talk about how we develop vocabularies and skills and, you know, you don't have a shield. I think that infants and, and young children and even adults, because as it turns out, I'm this way at times too, they're emotional sponges. They actually feed in, they actually bring in all the emotion. And then what do you do with it? How do you process it? What do you, you know, if, if, the, if, if mommy's upset, the house is upset. If, if daddy's confused, baby's confused. The house is confused. It's just how it works. And now you're involved in this area that you haven't built up your, your defenses, your shields, your whatevers. And there's just so much going on. You know, how can you help but not become a little wacky? Right. And that leads into how I really got into energy medicine, because once sophomore year of high school hit, that was my first real experience with depression. 
And it came on really slowly. I mean, first, I didn't really have much motivation to get up and go to school. And like, I've always loved school, but just, you know, the social aspect of it. But slowly, I kind of started losing motivation. And then I didn't really want to go to cross country practice. I couldn't really sleep well at night. And I wasn't really getting much joy out of anything in my life. And for some reason, I was afraid to talk to my parents about it because, you know, I didn't want them to worry about me. And I sort of felt like something was wrong with me, even though deep down I knew it was normal. My analyzer of my brain was like, oh, Maya, like, what's going on? So I was always known as this really, really happy, smiley person. And I didn't feel that as much anymore. So eventually I talked to my mom about it and she suggested that I look at energy medicine. So that kind of prompted the beginning of my mindfulness journey. And uh, I enrolled in the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Sausalito, which is an incredible school run by Francesca McCartney. And in a nutshell, she teaches people how to use energy medicine as a pragmatic healing skill every day. So using it as a resource to give yourself boundaries, heal physical and emotional ailments, and just really come back to who you are as a spirit. And both my parents studied with her. So I enrolled in the program as the youngest student, and now I'm the youngest graduate ever. And all the work that I did with her was really profound in just helping me get more grounded and becoming a stronger, more enlightened spirit. From what I remember from years ago, she actually trains people in the medical field to become medical intuitives, to use their intuition. Right. And when I enrolled in her program, I didn't have the intention of going on and teaching this to other people. I was just more coming at it from a place of, I am so passionate about this aspect of life. I want to explore it more and I want to learn how I can use it to better my life. But here I am now and I couldn't even imagine not sharing it with other young people and it really taught me that you know being sensitive isn't a bad thing it just means that you're highly in touch with your body and other energies around you so all the work is completely centered around how to create healthier relationships creating boundaries for myself and those around me and really just becoming more present so you would say that energy medicine and the things you learned at the academy helped you, you know, we would say perhaps coming at it completely from like a, I guess, right brain, I don't know, point of view, we would say something like it helped you develop your emotional intelligence and, you know, helped you read those subtle or invisible clues that let you know when somebody's, you know, feeling a certain way or not a certain way and, and helps you connect to people on a, that you don't previously know. Yes, a hundred percent. And which, which makes it comfortable for a logical guy like myself. <laughs> it, it makes it uncomfortable for me and I'm not logical. I am so illogical <laughs> and I'm constantly feeling like I'm being slapped on the wrist every time I ask a question because go figure, Matt. I'm considered like, the, I keep asking mental questions. I'm like, I am? How in the world did that happen? Like I'm the most illogical person, but yet... I'm stuck in my head. I'm realizing well, the more I study my with fault. Francesca, I don't know. I, I mean, I it's, don't know. it's probably my fault because again, it's one of those cases where, you know, I like to believe I've been at least modestly successful following a, a more logical path and, and letting go of that can be tricky. And there, there have been a few obviously key personal, emotional, intuitive moments that I've had that made perfect sense that when hindsight dealing with all the pieces of information I had on the table at that moment in time didn't seem like a good decision. That's what some people struggle with is putting a sort of scientific answer to intuition. In hindsight, I know what the right decision was. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in a football game, you know, you have a, a number of choices of moves to make. And honestly, in hindsight, Every single play that you make from scrimmage could be a touchdown. It's just if this guy was over this way and this guy did this thing and da -da 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 -da, regardless of what the other team is doing because they're probably going to do the same thing and all of these kind of 
alternative quantum worlds almost if you want to view it that way. And the right move, the, the perfect move, I, I always say there's an imminent number of bad ways of doing things. There's a smaller number of good ways to do things and there's one perfect way to do everything. But good luck, you're not going to find that perfect way. But intuition helps lead you towards the better to perfect ways of doing things. That's when you're in a battle of fighting for your intuition, even if you don't realize it. um, This leads me to this thing that I'm thinking about. Maya and I were talking about like there's a certain age you definitely are at. And then you realize I don't have to conform. Can you talk about that, Maya? Reaching a point where you realize you don't have to conform that feeling that security and how you came into this point of leadership i remember when i first started the academy i didn't talk about it it was every tuesday night my parents knew my boyfriend knew at the time and a couple of my close friends knew but i remember people would say oh can you hang out tonight and i'd be like oh, sorry, I can't, I have a doctor's appointment. Or I'd make some stupid reason up because for some reason, I didn't want to share with people my practice. And I told my parents that and they were like, just because you're not doing things that everybody else is doing doesn't mean that you have to hide it. And slowly I started becoming more confident and more comfortable with talking about this practice that was so not mainstream. And now... I completely own it. And the moment I started owning it was the moment it became more of who I was. Because if you're constantly hiding something that's so important to you, how can you share it with the world? And so that was kind of the the turning point of when my practice really developed. And really like that, what you just said, Maya, is perfection, owning it. Owning it, I feel owning it is really embodying your true self so let's say you don't have the ideal body shape that's in vogue magazine if you own yourself you own your beautiful body Mm -hmm. even though that shape is not in vogue guarantee your shape will become the next it thing people end up having surgery for to achieve once you own it you embody it you embody yourself that's when you're so powerful. Exactly. And when I moved to London for university, that really forced me to come back to my energy medicine practice as well, because I felt I kind of had this massive target on my back being American and the culture shock coupled with trying to navigate just all the social nuances of a new country, adjusting to the weather, all those things that come with uprooting your life made it really difficult for me. But I really relied on my energy medicine tools a lot here. And that helped me really stay grounded and just come back to this is who you are. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Just own it. We're going to do a whole series for teens on our show you're gonna be our reoccurring friend Maya and I discussed like all these things that we're going to cover Mm -hmm. over a whole series so Maya's gonna be on all the time reach out to us go to ourfriendlyworld.com and you will also see on our website with this episode you'll see links to Maya Maya is launching a whole workshop yes it's a workshop group class so a four-week class once a week where kids learn the basics about grounding earth energy and then learning about their life force energy the aura so teaching them to use these skills on their own you call them tools so you're teaching tools for teens tools for teens tools to not only survive but to thrive in exactly. in the world today exactly and we all need that and definitely our great ambassadors who have recently come onto the planet need that they mm-hmm. need that support so we are here to introduce you to maya holland and to let you know that this work is here this community is here for you maya can you offer one tool before we go today to help our friends absolutely I would say 
the biggest tool I could offer is learning the art of grounding because that in itself is the foundation of all energy medicine work. Can you please explain what grounding is? Yes. So grounding is connecting your body to the resonance of earth. So it's feeling your feet on the ground, allowing your body to become connected with the center of the earth and feeling that resonance. So we access this during meditation. We can access this when we're just walking around on the street. It's fundamentally just about bringing your attention back to your body and simply becoming more present. Can we just say, I'm grounded just like that in a split second and be grounded? You can affirm that, but something that I will teach more in my group classes or if we do privates, is what I like to imagine is a thick tree root extending from the bottom of my feet all the way down to the center of the earth. So a huge redwood tree that connects my feet and keeps them stable to the ground and connects them to the center of the earth. So that intention coupled with, if you just say out loud, I affirm I am grounded in present time, that will connect you. This is for us, Matt, sending key. Yeah, this is, this totally, is what we this learned is in totally martial Aikido. arts. This is like one of the one of the first lessons they get, you get taught in Aikido, and then they completely forget. Most schools typically completely forget about it. But it's the most important but thing. But you're always supposed to be grounded when you practice Aikido, and I'm willing to bet if we had a uh, Greco-Roman wrestler on, I think that it would probably affirm something similar enough to make sense. Being grounded, you're immovable, so you can stick out your hand and send key. And the strongest muscle man can't put your arm down because you're sending that life force. You're sending you're, key. You're, you're grounded. Out so much energy that you're getting from the earth out your arm is how you're supposed to consider it and think about it. And that makes your arm not completely, but it takes a heck of a lot more energy to, to move you than uh, it would if you didn't. So like you see, O-sensei, the founder of Aikido, this very frail looking, looking, old old looking badass yes but like very very petite very like you know like you think oh this this man has no strength but you see there are videos of him of like these massive big hulky guys charging him and with a flick of literally like an index finger they get thrown and it's because he's grounded he has key and, and, you know, kids know this from the beginning. Like, if you try to pick up a toddler, a two-year-old, off the ground, have you tried to lift up someone that weighs, like, 15 pounds and you can't move them? They're, they're grounded. Well, you can make, you can, quote-unquote, make yourself heavy, which is probably how the infant more thinks about it. I don't, I, I don't want to move, so I'm going to make myself heavy. You can't, but yet you can't budge them. But yet they're connecting and they're, they're really, yeah, absolutely. See, that's and, why I call them ambassadors. They know all this. And what point do you get where people can just shove you around and you feel yeah. like you're just a feather being blown around? Right. So this is what Maya does. She teaches these tools and that's why the grounding is so important. Exactly. It's the basis of all the work that revolves around energy medicine. So... I hope this helps, and I hope that you realize we're just sipping right now. This is an introduction. This is the art of the start. And I cannot wait for the next episodes with Maya. I'm so excited. I'm so ready. So please make sure you go to ourfriendlyworld.com for more information. Go to mayasimone.com, mayasimone.com, tools for teens. She is a graduate of... Uh, the Academy of Intuition Medicine. Youngest graduate ever. Everybody, make sure you check her out. And you're launching the next course, which is going up when? Early November. So if you just stay tuned on my website, there will be more announcements and more information coming. Maya, L and Allegra are at attention. They are ready to go. <laughs> I am it's so excited. so great. I can't wait to have them. Ah. Uh, Feel free to email us any questions you might have for Maya. Or go directly to Maya 
they can do that too. True. If you need anyone to talk to, we are all here for you. What we want is a beautiful world for you. We're trying to, not trying, we must do, don't try do. We are here in support of you. We are here to honor you. We see you. We see you as the ambassadors that you are, the beautiful force that you are. And we're here to honor you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you in just a few days. Be well. Bye, Bye. everybody. See you soon.